0: clean our cities, to improve our air quality, improve our way of life, and help us switch to a fuel that's more sustainable. One nonprofit organization that is working to help the transportation industry make the transition to cleaner fuels is Empire Clean Cities. I had the amazing opportunity to speak with their program manager, David Chernick, where he explains some of the amazing work that they are doing to help support and find funding for fleet owners to make this transition even easier. You are here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. And so to kick us off, David, do you mind just telling us about Empire Clean Cities and what you guys
1: do? Yeah, you betcha. So Empire Clean Cities, we're a 501c3 nonprofit environmental organization. Our mission is to ensure clean air quality for future generations. We're the U.S. DOE's designated clean cities for the New York City and lower Hudson Valley area, but we're just one of over 75 coalitions nationwide, which are supported by the DOE and share similar missions to increase air quality and protect air quality for future generations by ensuring that citizens and stakeholders and fleets have access to the information they need to transition to low and zero emission vehicles in the transportation sector. Empire Clean Cities supports a lot of different projects in the New York City, area. And we're also part of a lot of coalitions, both with other clean cities coalitions and with other organizations. So we wear a lot of different hats and and serve a lot of different roles, but it's all in the service of ensuring that air quality in the New York City area and our region and our country is good and that we transition over to as many alternative fuel vehicles as we can, whether that's biodiesel, ethanol, hydrogen, fuel cell, electric vehicles, compressed natural gas. We're alternative fuel agnostic and we support all sorts of alternative fuels. And my name. My name is David Chernak. I'm the program manager for Empire Clean Cities. Very cool.
0: And when did you start with Empire Clean Cities?
1: I started with them in the summer of 2021 after I finished my master's degree. So I've been with them for about a year and a half now.
0: Nice. And how long has Empire Clean Cities been around for?
1: Yeah, I think EC was designated in 2007. So about 15 years now. But the Clean Cities Coalition and the program itself has been around for, I believe, 30 years. That's right. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary this year. Very cool. And what
0: is your your main focus right now?
1: So we have so many. A lot of the projects that we're working on now are focused most about expanding infrastructure. Of course, there's a ton of federal money coming from the Inflation Reduction Act, from the bipartisan infrastructure law that is going to be providing all this new access to new charging infrastructure, to new biodiesel fueling infrastructure. A lot of this money is being designated and given to Very broad coalitions with a lot of knowledge of how best to deploy those, how to deploy those most equitably in order to fit with the president's Justice40 initiative, that 40% or more of the benefits of these investments should be going to historically underserved and underinvested communities. So I'd say that's the biggest one, especially workplace charging and corridor charging with the NEVI plans, the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Plans that were just published and are being finalized now by the Department of Energy. But again, that's all in the service of ensuring that the good clean air quality, especially in areas like the Bronx in our service area, the Bronx is an area that sees a lot of truck traffic, places like the Hunts Point, Produce markets see over 10,000 truck trips per day, and those trucks are almost uniformly at this point diesel. A lot of them are older and don't meet today's very strict emissions requirements. So those trucks are putting out a lot of NOx and SOx, nitrogen and sulfur oxides, of course carbon dioxide, which enhances climate change, and things like particulate matter, which can lead to some very bad health outcomes, especially when there's it's concentrated like that in places like the Bronx. So that's primarily what we're focused on, and with emissions of ensuring that those benefits benefit everyone, especially those who have been the worst affected by poor air quality and uh,
0: transportation emissions in the past. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really big point too. To say clean cities is not just about cleaning up the transportation sector or trying to make our grid more clean, but it's also about the quality of air making our air quality better for us to breathe in. Because there's been all these cases about increases in asthma, in children, in older individuals, and they're having all these types of respiratory issues because of the particulates and all sorts of matter that we're putting into the atmosphere, into the air that we breathe in. And so cleaning our cities is a lot about cleaning the air, making the air just higher quality and better for us to breathe in. And I think that's super important that you guys are doing that, doing that work to clean our cities. And as you mentioned before about the infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act that Biden just signed recently, how do you think that's going to have an impact on the work that you guys do? Is it going to help? Are you guys going to be utilizing that a lot? Are you hopeful for the future of this? Or are you thinking kind of it's a step in the right direction, but you're hoping there will be a lot more to come? Yeah, I mean, as an organization like us,
1: we always want there to be more. But it's hard almost to feel that, especially with the Inflation Reduction Act, just because its climate potential is so huge. The Inflation Reduction Act has the potential to have 10 times the intensity of carbon savings and carbon reduction as any other US-based climate bill that's been passed in the past. It's Hard to overstate how huge this bill is. And of course, it's not just transportation emissions. It's it's focused on agriculture. It's focused on clean industries outside of transportation, but it's big. And I think right now what we're most focused on is ensuring that money gets spent prudently, that money is spent in a way that's future-proof, especially when we're talking about deploying a national network of charging stations. If we're looking 30 years into the future where you know 90% plus, the vast majority of on-road transportation is going to be zero emissions... Making sure that all on-road vehicles, whether they are passenger vehicles, someone's personal light duty truck that's towing a trailer, or tractor trailers and, and semi-trucks that are traversing the country delivering freight when there's zero emission, potentially a lot of them are battery electric, ensuring that our charging stations can fit those, that when we're deploying charging stations along the interstate corridors and at a Love's traffic stop or at a Bucky's if you're in the in Texas, that you can have pull-through charging for trucks and, and instead of just individual passenger vehicle spots like that. And making sure that is the case in New York state too, because we've got so many types of transportation and we've got a lot of sort of tight areas in New York city. It's a tough question for fleets to think about where are we going to charge our vehicles, whether that's during the day or they're domiciled at night. So thinking as far into the future as we can when we're spending this money now so that we don't have to revamp things later. So yeah, this money is incredible, the amount that's still in the line and that we're waiting to hear about new programs and the way it's going to be spent now is super exciting. But just trying to think about that stuff now as much as possible. So we spend that money efficiently and make sure the benefits go to the people and the businesses that need it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Are you guys really focused primarily on EV charging and kind of electric vehicles in those types? Because I've heard a lot of news lately about hydrogen fuel cells. They've got some new innovation that has made some big ground a lot faster than everyone was expecting in the hydrogen industry, which is really cool. Where do you guys stand on hydrogen. Sure. We're really excited about hydrogen.
1: We are part of one of the first projects in New York State and actually the whole sort of mid-Atlantic Northeast region to bring hydrogen fuel cell powered vehicles to the streets. With NYSERDA, the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, one of New York State's really great energy agencies, we'll nice. talk about a little bit more a little bit. In the Bronx, actually, the neighborhood I was talking about before that borough, we are working on a NYSERDA grant from the Clean Transportation Prize, which the The winners of which were announced a few months ago, and include a lot of great programs statewide about electrifying transportation, including micro transit and micro e-mobility and things like that. But this is specifically a hydrogen fuel cell bus deployment that we're working on with uh, several great partners, including hydrogen providers, transit providers, and uh, the MTA to deploy the first two of hopefully many hydrogen fuel cell powered transit buses that will be working in the North and East Bronx, which is really great. Those are among the first hydrogen-powered transit vehicles that'll be hitting the streets. I think there's maybe one other project in Boston and another in Rochester that are working at a similar pace. This is our first, you know, dipping our toes into a project like this. We've looked at the success that California has had with having actual hydrogen fuel cell refueling network where you can refill with compressed hydrogen just in about the same amount of time as refilling with petroleum. A five-minute gasoline stop is about the same as the five-minute stop to refill your hydrogen-powered car in California. So we're really excited about that, but we're also still really committed to biodiesel, expanding biodiesel access. New York City and its fleets, especially parks, sanitation, they've had great success with with biodiesel, and it's served a really good role for them in terms of being a drop-in fuel that they can use with some of these vehicles, which they have to keep in their fleet upwards of 10 years in order for the cost of them to make sense for them to use that. And while it's still only a low emission vehicle, it's not a zero emission alternative like hydrogen fuel, solar, electric is. It greatly decreased the amount of emissions that are coming from the tailpipes of those vehicles, which is really important when you're working in a place like New York city, where it's just so crowded and you've got so many vehicles around. So even that their investment there really counts. So we're committed to a lot of different fuels, but we're really excited to see what hydrogen hydrogen can do in the next couple of years as it starts to make its way to the East Coast.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really exciting. And I think hydrogen has a really big future and a really big role to play in the coming years. So super excited to see how that turns out. So I'm super excited to see the continued of innovations and new technologies that are coming online, which will be really awesome. And for biodiesel, what are you guys' plans for action for biodiesel and how do you help out? What is your role that you play in this?
1: Sure. So we don't actually serve as a fuel provider, but our roles in our outreach, and helping the fleets extends to connecting fuel providers to fleets. We work with a lot of great fuel providers, and including Sprague Energy, which are refiners and providers of biodiesel. We're currently working on a great project with the New York Coin and Soybean. Growers Association, which we've been connecting with their farmers upstate. New York state-based farmers produce a million bushels of soybeans per year, I believe. A lot of which goes to biodiesel. The primary feedstock of biodiesel is soybeans. It can also be any sort of animal fats or vegetable fats, which can be refined into biodiesel. And while there currently aren't any biodiesel distilleries or refineries in New York state, there are some in our region that provide biodiesel to flea customers. So we do as much outreach as possible as we can to fleets, especially trucking fleets that run diesel powered vehicles with Cummins, Street Six diesels, et cetera, to connect them with uh, biodiesel providers because biodiesel is such an easy solution. And usually biodiesel, it's not a 100% biodiesel. It's blended with conventional petroleum diesel. 20% biodiesel is B20, 50% is B50, et cetera. And I believe it all pumps in New York state, all diesel that you get conventional pump is B5. So it's There's a little bit of biodiesel in there, but working with the fleets to connect them to biodiesel providers or find public biofuel fueling stations so that they can start reducing their emissions basically as soon as they're able to get their hands on some biodiesel, because it's an easy drop in fuel that will work in almost all diesel motors on today's trucks.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really awesome. And I know you guys also have a program where you're replacing pre-2009 vehicles and helping in that transition for fleet owners. Do you mind jumping more into that?
1: Yeah, sure. So that's NYSERDA's New York Truck Voucher Incentive Program, or TVIP, or TVIP, which is a really great program that we've been working with NYSERDA with for the last couple of years. So Truck Voucher Incentive Program is a statewide program that's focused on getting older class four through eight school buses, transit buses, port cargo handling equipment, paratransit buses, and of course, uh, trucks off the road in favor of cleaner, more modern alternatives. So as I mentioned, it's class four through eight vehicles, and the program has recently transitioned to be being a zero emission program. So what the program does is goes to fleets and we go to fleets. We're doing a lot of the outreach and a fleet that has say a few pre-2009 when regulations weren't as strict as they are now. So those are the most Including vehicles and connects them with voucher funding to replace those vehicles with a similar, with usually they want it to be the same vehicle class, replacing a class seven with a class seven with a zero emission alternative, battery electric, fully electric, or hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. And the reason that it's replacing those vehicles and the way it goes about that is ensuring that those. Pre-2009 vehicles don't make it back onto the road, whether they get exported or just get re-registered here in the States by ensuring that they're scrapped. So there's a scrappage element. So upon the scrappage of a pre-2009, say, school bus, that engine block gets destroyed, the chassis gets destroyed, and that ensures that it doesn't make it out of the road in any other way, shape, or form, and it gets recycled and replaced with a battery electric alternative. So the program has been running for a few years now, but just in the last summer, it transitioned to being zero emission only. So ECC's role in that is supporting the regional outreach to fleet stakeholders and also supporting the scrappage element of that program. Yeah. So that's the truck voucher incentive. It's a really great program and it's seen and helped the deployment of a lot of really good zero emission and low emission vehicles in our region, in Long Island, upstate, it's a statewide program. It's just fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And I
0: know that here at trucktractortrailer.com. We will also help with that transition for fleet owners, finding you the perfect low or zero emissions vehicle that fits your needs. But for anyone curious about finding out more about the program itself, where can they find out more about it?
1: Sure. NYSERDA's website, if you go to nyserda.ny.gov and they have all the information that you need from starting the sort of contact and finding a vehicle in their eligible list of replacement vehicles that matches your needs and connecting and figuring out scrappage. They also have an element of the program in which, say, you're a fleet that has newer vehicles and doesn't have anything that's pre-2009 in order to scrap. You can still participate in the program so long as you're from a third party, a pre-2009 diesel vehicle that's similar and has accrued some minimum amount of miles per year. I believe it's 5,000 miles per year and is still active. So even if you're a fleet that has mostly new vehicles, you can still participate and seek out a voucher for a newer electric or hydrogen powered vehicle.
0: Very cool. And so you mentioned some hydrogen and zero emission vehicles. What are some of the other replacements that fleet owners can look at for their pre-2009 truck?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The ideal is that when a fleet is right-sizing, it'll pick a vehicle that is the most efficient and replaces the role that its old vehicle played at the same class or perhaps a class below. But the list of eligible vehicles includes all these battery options from long-standing industry players like Mack Trucks, a Volvo with their VNR. There are a couple fleets in New York City, including Manhattan Beer Distributors, uses a couple of Volvo's VNR battery electric semi trucks. So there are vehicles available from those sort of long-standing big players in the fleet game. There are converters, third-party EV converters like C-Electric, where they get a new Ford F-Chassis or I think 2,500 through 6,500 chassis GM Chevys, and then convert those to be fully battery electric. And then there are also newcomers like Nikola just got one of their semi-trucks onto the list of replacement vehicles. Not even to mention paratransit providers, bird bus that, that provides school bus, battery electric school buses, they're a big player there. So there are lots of different options. And on the Truck Voucher Incentive website, there's a big comprehensive list of all of the vehicles that are eligible for vouchers.
0: Yeah, definitely. And do you have anything that you would like to highlight before I ask my final questions?
1: Sure. I would just highlight that if you are a fleet operator, I know a lot of this can sound a little bit pie in the sky, but it's designed to help the fleets that want to get their operations to be as clean as possible now. New York State has fully passed a law now that in 2035 all light duty petroleum powered vehicles will not be sold anymore it'll only be zero emission vehicles and the same happens 10 years later in 2045 for medium and heavy duty vehicle. The money is available now to help with this transition. And at some point, the money won't be around. The key is to ask the right questions now, get connected with your local Clean Cities Coalition, get connected with NYSERDA now, because all this stuff is here currently to help the fleets as opposed to 10, 20 years from now when that funding might not be there. So in, ensuring that you're thinking about this stuff now and thinking about it early, because the models are available, the vehicles are available, and the funding is available to help with that transition. So we're here and we're ready to help.
0: Definitely. That's great. I'm so glad that you guys are able to lend a helping hand with that. And do you see any issues in terms of the infrastructure for making this transition to cleaner fuels? I know a lot of people worry. They say like, okay, I know I can get diesel all along my route, but do you see any issues with EV charging stations or hydrogen fueling stations, what is that currently looking like? Sure. Hydrogen is
1: definitely a bit of a ways off. The first hydrogen refueling stations that will be in the sort of greater New York City area will be on that MTA project that I mentioned. So still a few years out from public hydrogen refueling infrastructure in in the greater New York City area, at least. But for EV charging, there's currently a lot of funding available from the DOE, from NYSERDA, similarly to this. A lot of the conversations that happen through truck voucher incentive also involve. involve matching fleets with funding to install electric vehicle charging infrastructure as well. And especially for a fleet, if your vehicles are domiciled at night at a certain place, thinking about installing the infrastructure there rather than thinking about finding EV charging along your route. And while it will be there, the most reliable charging is the stuff that you install that, that works best for your vehicles. Because as I was mentioning before, all those vehicles come in so many different shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. And if anyone would like to reach out to you to learn more about Empire Clean Cities and what you guys do, how can they get in touch?
1: Yeah, for sure. EmpireCleanCities.org is our website and I'm David at EmpireCleanCities.org is my email. So happy to talk.
0: Very cool. And any of the links that we mentioned during this podcast will be in the description and the show notes below, so you can definitely find them there. And David, thank you so much for coming on the stream. It has been awesome to have you on talking all about Empire Clean Cities and what you are doing to help the transportation industry and making our cities cleaner, especially New York City. So thank you so much for what you guys are doing and for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much, Billy.
0: And if you enjoyed this interview with David Turnick from Empire Clean Cities, I invite you to go check out this interview with Tucker Perkins from the Propane Education and Research Council. They are leading the way in introducing a low carbon or zero carbon solution for those mid-sized vehicles from using renewable propane. So definitely make sure you go check out this interview with Tucker Perkins. Thank you for listening to another episode of the green business impact podcast we hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity in a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world make sure to hit subscribe on apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register for your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.